every day on the big show. What? Gordon and Jake want to keep you up to date on all the action, all the newsmakers, and all the big opinions on the Zone Sports Network. This is What's Going On on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. I want to throw a plug out there real quick, Gordon. We've been talking about it all week. The blood drive going on here at Vivint Smart Home Arena. Go to redcrossblood.org, sponsor code LHM, and you can get an appointment to come in and uh, donate some blood. Uh, This is kind of a a, a big outreach that the Miller Group is doing to to help folks during this, um, you know, time of crisis. And it's really... It's really well done. In fact, we can walk across the hall to the portal across from the studio, Gordon, and you look down on the floor and uh, you can see the whole operation. It's it's really cool. People are being really careful. It's safe. Um, you can get some uh, some goodies, some free popcorn from Megaplex. Uh, so I think it's 10 bucks to the team store, a $5 Amazon gift card. Uh, so there's there's kind of a lot of uh, bribes, if you will, to get you down here. But but, but the main motivation, I know, is uh, it is to save lives. So redcrossblood.org. And uh, the sponsor code is LHM. There aren't a whole lot of things that are better than that to uh, to donate to people in need. Because no when you when you need the blood, man, you need it now. Yep, no doubt about it. So redcrossblood.org, sponsor code LHM. Uh, Utah receivers coach Guy Holiday was on with DJ and PK this morning, and, and he was great. The whole interview was really, really good. It's over a half an hour. We've got it up at 1280thezone.com, but we pulled out uh, a chunk, and it was all good, but, the, but what we thought was the really good stuff and, uh, and put it together. It's about 20 minutes long, but we want to air it for big show listeners that maybe didn't get a chance to hear it this morning with DJ and PK. So here's Utah receivers coach Guy Holiday. Yeah, I, I, I think it does. I, if you look at it, I mean, I was born in 68, so um, I get it, or 69, actually, I get it. And, um, you know, I've seen the civil unrest before. Uh, people, you know, and I grew up in with rocks there over. Over uh, police brutality, or what would appear to be police brutality at that time, and then when you go back, and I think we don't, again, we ignore things that that don't pertain to us. And um, in L.A., I was actually I started school in, in in Los Angeles, and I was actually in California doing the um, the N.W.A. when they came out with after police and. And people were, they're so radical, they're so, but when you live in those communities and your relationships have deteriorated over time um, with the people who are charged to serve and protect you, um, there's definitely, you know, a discord between the two. Um, Now, with that said, my experiences, I've had experiences on both sides. I've had experiences uh, uh, with the police when I was young that, that weren't healthy and I've had uh, positive experiences being pulled over for a traffic stop and how I was treated but we as people want to paint everything into these uh, circles or these square boxes uh, uh, and this can be seen right here in our own country Republican Democrat we 
you know, I, I always sit back and laugh. Well, there's some things that uh, Democrats do that I really like. There are some things that Republicans do that I really like. There are some things that uh, Democrats do that I really don't like and vice versa. So I can't always put myself in these square boxes that we want things to be in. So, you know, the civil unrest, I understand. I mean, because I, I've lived in the community. I've been in people's homes. I've, I've come in touch with people, families who've dealt with it. What I can't understand is the looting, the crime, because really and truly that just comes down to people who are taking advantage of the situation that's out there. They're, they're, they want to do it anyway, and they're just taking advantage of it. Uh, presented with this opportunity and, and they take advantage of it. And, and, you know, here in Salt Lake City, you know, I've been here seven years, eight years now, and I'm, I'm going to be totally honest with you. Uh, my perception of Utah before I came, uh, I had to be convinced to come here uh, because Utah is not known as a diverse city. It's not known as a... Um, a city that is, or a state, I should say a state, uh, uh, Salt Lake City is not known as diverse, and then as a state, Utah is definitely not known as diverse. And then my own um, prejudices against the, the Mormon church, I didn't know anything about the Mormon church, and the only thing I knew is that they didn't allow blacks, uh, which being half black and half Samoan, uh, into the into the hierarchy of the church until 78, 79, or whenever it ended. And, and I, you know, like everybody else, I had this negative perception before I came. And then when you get to know people, you know that there are people uh, and the majority of people that are out there that represent the LDS church aren't, aren't prejudiced, you know, uh, particularly, uh, you know, here. And, and then, but... There is a side that still exists that we have to acknowledge exists, and then we have to deal with it. How do we talk about it, and how do we put plans in action that's, that helps it dissolve or, you know, states that uh, this is the way it is, and these are our actions taken, and it's proven. And I think what you're seeing right now, uh, you know, we were all pissed. And I, I shouldn't say we. I should say a lot of people were pissed when Colin Kaepernick and a couple other players took a knee. But we wanted to find how they protest. It was peaceful, but we never listened to the message. We were upset that they protest. And so now you're dealing with people who are saying, well, if we can't protest peacefully, you know, things aren't changing for us. Nothing changed from the Colin Cap since the Colin Kaepernick protest. Nothing. And there are no actions being put in place that help people feel more comfortable with the system, per se. And until that happens, you're going to have civil unrest. We're going to go right back to this. This is all going to die down. It always does. Um, you're going to have civil unrest again. And people forget in the rioting and, and, and the destruction in the late 60s and all the protests, there was action taken. There was a civil rights voters bill passed. There was uh, more attention paid to equality. And then we kind of just let it go by. And uh, so we have to keep progressing as people. And, uh, you know, I know I read Spike Lee's comments and some people took it 
as um, as negative, but it was very positive because what he was really saying is there are not, and if you look at our demographics, there is not a large representation of minorities in the state of Utah. If you look at the demographics, which is all people can look at online, but if you're here, particularly in Salt Lake City, this, it is extremely diverse. So what Spike Lee was saying is that my white brothers and sisters are standing up for equality. And that's something positive because that's something that in some of the other protests in, in the past you didn't see. But now you do because back in the 60s you saw it. It was, of course, the uh, Jewish community from up north who was very active in the civil rights movements. And, and so we just need to understand there's two sides of every story. And uh, I wish we could just eliminate the uh, uh, the eluding the uh, the acts of violence, but we also need a, a uniting voice. You know, we we can stand there, and I'm I'm not one. I'm not a political person. Say, hey, we got to be more violent, more aggressive with people. Well, aggression meets aggression, and that's always going to be. And and the perce- your perception is reality, and at some point. We need calmer voices to come along and say, um, you know, let's sit down at the table. Let's have some serious resolution to the issues. But we first have to acknowledge that the issues exist. And there's so many people in our country that don't even want to acknowledge that, yes, there are some issues within our own country. We're not perfect. How are we going to resolve them? Because that's how this country was built, through resolve. And uh, until we do that, I, I think you're going to continue to see uh, whether it's this year, whether it's 10 years from now, you're going to continue to see the civil un- unrest. And, uh, you know, we all have different stereotypes uh, of what we think. And, and the only way you can break the stereotype is drop your guard and get involved one-on-one with the people that you have these concepts about or these fears about. And, uh, you know, and I get it. I get it on both sides of the story. I mean, I grew up in in a in a very um, rough neighborhood. I mean, it's no doubt about it, and very confrontational neighborhood, very violent neighborhood. And if I was a police officer, you know, I don't know that I would want to come into my community and uh, and not be on edge, not be at a heightened awareness. Uh, but with that said, I also take a, a you know an oath to serve and protect. And uh, so you know what you're signing up for, and as unfair as it is, it's like the military. You know what you're signing up for. No one said that Iraq or Iran is going to be these safe havens that you go into and nothing's going to happen. But you still have to treat people with common respect, and that goes on both sides. And and to me, that is uh, what's lost here, just the common respect. And then the, the uh, understanding of each person's position. Instead, now we're using it to divide and conquer, uh, and and that's that's what's frightening to me because the the these people's stories aren't being heard any longer, and and God bless George Floyd's family and and him himself who who gave his life, but his life is given in vain if we don't have any any resolve to any of this, and uh, and it can't be just burning and looting stores. That's not the way you do it, but. That's not the only thing happening out there. That's just what's being broadcasted. Um, I actually rode down to to Salt Lake City and and, uh, 
uh, two days ago. We drove. I drove through in the morning, and it was really great to see people cleaning the buildings who were some of the protesters and dialoguing with state troopers at the Capitol. And, and just more of that needs to happen. More, more of us uh, need to understand the frustrations of our young people because they're real. And uh, this is what they know. This is what they think. And, you know, it's funny. I grew up in a time being a, having an African-American mom and having a Samoan dad and having long hair. And uh, in my community, that wasn't accepted. So you could only be black. It wasn't, it, people didn't even know what Samoan was or Polynesian was on the East Coast. And they still um, uh, very rarely do. You know, they, the only thing they know is Hawaiian. And, uh, but my message to everybody is we, we need to sit down. We need to try to be understanding. Stop condemning each other. And, and let's start to make some positive gains towards what the issues really are. And let's not shut it off. Let's listen. Just because we haven't experienced police brutality or just because we haven't experienced the racial prejudices, let's not be so arrogant to say, well, that really doesn't exist because I haven't seen it. Uh, and I, I think that's what we, we miss as people. You know, we want to dismiss people uh, based on our own experiences. Well, unfortunately, you know, in life, you don't get to experience everything that everybody else has. And uh, so we, we need to open up our minds, open up our hearts. And, um, you know, I, I think if we approach this in the right manner, I think Salt Lake City has done an unbelievable job with its police forces and, and how to handle it. And I think other places, you know, there's a criminal element. Let's, let's be honest. And how do you deal with them? You know, I, I don't have all the answers. That fortunately, that's way above my pay grade. Uh, but I do notice we need a voice that's unifying, not divisive. Well, Coach, there's only about 500 things there that I could hit that you just said, but we can't do that. I'll play a one thing that really struck with me when you said, when you get to know them. And I've always thought that was the key, and then you later mentioned the one-on-one -on -one level. And one of the things that's always fascinated me as we see these people protesting, a lot of them are young people, and they are the demographic, basically, of what a college football team is. And I have seen this time and time again. I lived in Los Angeles in 1992. I was there. My wife taught in South Central, 90% African-American at the school at Washington. And I saw that, well, if you got to know people, they no longer became fill-in-the-blank, uh, whatever ethnicity. They became the person whatever that person's name is. And I use a great example here, uh, your, high, your football team when you're playing in that Dallas Bowl game, and they bring in Troy Williams, who had been a senior and started as a junior. We know his story. And he played at Narbonne. I, my wife actually taught at Narbonne, too. I covered Narbonne, so I know about that community. And he faked that his shoe came untied, and he's an African-American, to let Drew Lisk, uh, a Caucasian kid, get in the ball game. My kids went to Jordan, so I have both those schools right there and I look at your football team and football teams really it's athletic teams across the country you bring in all these people young people 
and they find ways to get along because they know each other. Isn't that the key? If you look to a sports team, and you guys are your football team's diverse, they get to know each other, and they're not a black person. They're actually Troy Williams, not a black person. Obviously, he's black, but he's a person, and Drew Lisk is a white guy, but he's not a white guy. He's Drew Lisk, and these two people knew each other, and they have feelings for them. Is that what it's all about, getting to know people on an individual level? There's no question. You know, sports is one of the um, – it's really funny. You look at Major League Baseball. And, um, you know, in our country, we have a, uh, a very negative view of, uh, in my opinion, of the Hispanic population and how we view them. But you look at Major League Baseball, and Hispanics are at the top of Major League Baseball, the Hispanic community. And – we accept them. Sports is really the unifying, uh, uh, I guess, the unifying causes. You know, it is one of the only places where regardless of your race, uh, regardless of your sex, when you talk about uh, women's sports also, where you can put all these different people in a locker room and, uh, and they learn to get along. And, uh, and they learn because they're fighting for one cause. Now, they all live their own separate lives, which we understand, but there is a point where I am my brother's keeper. I am my sister's keeper. And you you have that code and you live by it. And it doesn't matter what race you are. And, you know, I've been fortunate. I, uh, You know, Troy Williams, unbelievable. Uh, you know, Bradley and I, who just left the University of Utah. But it goes past that. One of the best people I've ever met. Uh, and I'm talking about as a competitor, as an athlete, and as a human being with Taysom Hill. And uh, I have so much respect for him. And I don't. When uh, uh, when Jordan came here with me, uh, Jordan Leslie, and and that was one of the people that he bonded with, Taysom Hill. You know, and and so it doesn't it doesn't matter. You know, we sports helps you have a common cause. And until we can find a common ground where we can sit down and be for each other versus against each other, um, you know, it's, it's not going to change. And that's what sports is a unifying cause. And uh, it doesn't matter, you know, in a locker room if you're white, if you're, if you're Samoan, if you're Tongan, if you're Mexican, if you're Honduran, if you're black. It doesn't matter. You know what matters? If you can play. And, and you're judged on your talent. You're not judged on your color. And, uh, and that's where it's different. Now, you know, one of the things I, I think that are, are so important that's really uh, frustrating for me is, is that I see that every day. I see young people who get along, who love one another, who, um, you know, will go their own separate ways in life, and they'll carry these values with them. So prejudice is taught, okay? The fear of um, the young people who are different than us, who maybe they have uh, long hair that was down in Salt Lake, and maybe they're not your uh, typical, what we classify how a young person should look. Maybe he is a skateboarder. Maybe he is tattooed up. It doesn't make him a bad person. It just makes him different than us. And just if he's not, uh, maybe he's Baptist. Maybe he's um, maybe 
he just doesn't believe. It doesn't make him a bad person. It just makes him different. And diversity is what makes the world grow. And without, if everybody thought the same and did the same, I, I, I just don't think we'd be very successful as a country. So we need to start embrace, embracing what the country was founded on, and that's our diversity. And, and, and embrace, embrace the different cultures. And because in each culture, there's something that we can learn. And there's something that, that will help us grow as people. But if we stand back and we back up into our corner and put on our, our proud uh, chest, plate or, or chest plate of armor and say, my way is the right way, then automatically we're alienating everybody else outside. And until we can become accepting of other people's uh, beliefs, of other people's uh, value systems, of other people's races, and not try to change them into what we want them to fit into, this square peg we're going to, or, or square box, we're going to be better off as people. And, and start accepting that, that we aren't perfect. We're just sitting here judging others instead of uh, helping solve the solution. Because you're right, when you go and you work in the South Central and and, uh, and I moved from L.A. in 1991, and you work in these these different places, you know, you realize that they're just people. When I look at our football team, I don't say, man, you know, this guy's white or this guy's black. I see a, I see a good person that happens to be a really good football player. And, and it all starts with, are they a good football player? And then you, of course, look at the person and, and all those. But generally – most really good players are really good people because they have that work ethic and um, they have the discipline. And, of course, you do have some that, that aren't, but I don't look at them as black, as black or white. I don't walk into my into a staff meeting and say, oh, that's the white coach. He's against the black players. I don't look at it like that. I look at it that we're all there for a common purpose and a common reason. And uh, that's what makes the – that's why I'm in the sport. That's what makes it fun. Because I can touch lives regardless of the color. Guy Holiday, right there from DJ and PK. Uh, there was another about ten minutes that we did not get a chance to play, and if you'd like to hear that, uh, you're welcome, of course, to go to 1280thezone.com or wherever you get your podcasts, and uh, you can find that. But uh, I thought really important and great words from a from a guy in Guy Holiday who Gordon. Uh, Gordon, this has always been true about him. He's a really good communicator. He, yeah, he really yeah. is. He's a, you know, he, he speaks in terms that a lot of people can can understand. And he's really good at getting his message across. And I'm not surprised that he's a good coach and a good recruiter because he's a really good communicator. Yeah. I mean, well, just listen to him. Yeah. What does he say that doesn't make sense? Yep. And he's always been that way. He has. That I can remember. Yep. I mean, he's one of those rare coaches around here. That has coached at both BYU and Utah, and I think he's had a positive effect wherever he goes, yep. and you can understand why. Yeah, no doubt about it. So we, we thought that there was some real value in that to replay and hope folks uh, uh, were able to uh, listen and, and understand where he was coming from a little bit. All right, coming up next, we'll get back to the latest news in the NBA. We've got the Not Sports Report coming up at 4.50, and David Locke joins the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. It is the big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. These 
1998 tunes have been just truly terrific. <laughs> I know you've enjoyed them, Gordon. Want to remind you, what's we're gonna, this? Uh, this is "The Boy Is Mine" by Brandy and uh, Monica, right? Want to remind what you, we're gonna, what, what, what was the first one we had? Uh, I actually kind of like that one, next, except for the words. Or, next, too close. Yeah, well, well, next, too close. Okay. Yeah. Want to remind you, we're going to be out at the warehouse on Friday uh, from uh, the big show will be, that is, 86 East University Parkway in Orem. Price is so low, it will blow your mind. Check them out uh, at the warehouse. Uh, Gordon, uh, some good news for Real Salt Lake fans. We'll get back into the NBA here in a moment. But uh, the Major League Soccer and the Players Association approved a uh, proposal uh, to uh, deal with the situation here in economics in 2020, as well as a modified collective bargaining agreement uh, going through 2025, Gordon. Mm-hmm. So that's good news. Soccer is going to uh, go along with, I believe they're doing a tournament in Orlando as well. And uh, they've also worked it out. So they've got an agreement through 2025. That's good news. Good news. It is a weird time to negotiate right now, isn't it? It is very strange. Given the strange, yeah, circumstances are different. What will they be a year from now? It's it's just kind of a strange time to get that done. But I guess when you got to do it, you got to do it. I mean, I, I I don't understand why they would they would do it throughout you know all the way through twenty twenty five because so much could change and could happen or not happen for that matter. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's good they're on the same page because that's what all these sports are going to deal with in one way or another. So. Uh, the NBA, it seemed to have gone kind of gone smoothly. Major League Soccer got a little bumpy there for a minute, but they figured it out. And Major League Baseball still is trying to figure it out. They are, and uh, don't know how that's going to go. But I do know that it's cantankerous. But the NBA seems to be uh, getting it figured out, Gordon, and we're seeing news leak out as we thought it would. And, of course, there's that meeting on Thursday. We found out it'll be at 1230 Eastern on Thursday, the conference call and vote for, uh, with the Board of Governors, the owners um, in the NBA, and expected to unanimously approve uh, a plan. And we're finding out bits and pieces about that. And basically it's going to be 22 teams coming back, Gordon, 13 Western Conference teams, nine Eastern Conference teams. They're going to play eight regular season games, and there could be a possible play-in tournament for the eighth seed, depending on how close those teams are. Outside of the 16 playoff teams, New Orleans, Portland, San Antonio, Sacramento, Phoenix, and Washington will uh, round out the field. And uh, we talked about this, of course, a lot in the 2 o'clock hour, Gordon, but just to bring it back up in the 4 o'clock hour, I I like what they're doing. Uh, We mentioned that that there will be that play-in tournament if the eight and nine teams are within four games of each other. You're you're concerned that's a little wide for that, uh, to be fair. I mean, I understand that. The, and the way I get it is that uh, the uh, the ninth place team would have to beat the eighth place team twice, and the eighth place team would just have to beat the ninth place team once. Am I understanding that correctly? Yes, correct. I think that's how it works, and uh, so that's an advantage, obviously, for the eighth place team. But still, I think four games is uh, that's a long. Line. I mean, the Jazz are what only three games behind the Clippers, right? The weird, so, the weird part yeah. about this, and we talked about this in the 2 o'clock hour a little bit, if you don't have built-in wins, how does that affect things? Because it seems to me you can move up or down the standings pretty quick because you don't have any games that are just gimmies. Right. You, they will all be – we talked about this yesterday, Jake. They will all be, you know, for, uh, fairly formidable. 
And uh, so that how is what direction will a team like the Jazz slide? They're a game ahead of the Thunder. They're two and a half games up on Houston and uh, and uh, Dallas. And then uh, ahead of them, Denver is a game and a half ahead of them. And like we just mentioned, the Clippers are two and a half. So the Jazz have an opportunity to either slide or to, to, to move up. So it's fairly volatile. And, and they're going to have to come to play every single night because the quality of teams they're playing in those eight games. By the way, how are they going to divvy those up? Because some of the, obviously, within the 22, that range is pretty wide as right. well. It wouldn't be fair to draw the better teams twice, for example. Right. But there's no, there's really no way to fix that, I don't think. Well, Unless you play as many teams just once as you can. Well, there's no travel considerations. Once. So it would, uh, I, you would have to look at the standings and say, okay, uh, you take maybe classify the top three teams at one tier and then some of the others at the next one and then on down from there. And then make that balanced somehow for each team. Is that, that that's possible to do? I imagine it. Yeah, that I I would think so. They're going to have to make it as fair as as possible. But I do think there there's going to be the opportunity for pretty dramatic shifts in the standings because the better teams are are likely to lose more games, and the worst teams aren't likely to win as many. So I actually don't I, – I had the same reaction to you that that four-game gap was pretty wide between eight and nine to trigger that, that play-in tournament. But the more I think about it, not really. I, I actually might be surprised if it even happens. You think it's going to be a gap wider than that? Yeah, I think it's going to be a gap wider than that. Well, we'll see. That's the only way we play it out and see see what goes on. And there's such mystery involved in how the teams will play coming back. We knew where the teams were before the uh, before the stoppage. Uh, you could pretty well count on it. But now, uh, I don't know. Well, here's how the standings stand real quick, just to put this into some perspective. So, in the Western Conference, the Grizzlies are in eighth. Um, and they are 18 games back of first, Gordon. They are three and a half games in front of Portland, New Orleans, and Sacramento, and four games in front of San Antonio. So those are uh-huh. all the teams that are, that are still left. So they're all within four games right now, but barely. And then in the east, you have uh, Orlando, who's 23 games back of first place at 30 and 35, and they are five and a half games in front of the Wizards, who are 28 and a half games back at first. So, right. I mean, I, I would imagine the Wizards just fade dramatically, right? I mean, out of the eight games they're going to play, how many are they going to win? Yeah. One? Maybe. Right? So I, I think they fade. I don't think that's going to be an issue in the Eastern Conference really at all. And then in the West, I mean, you th- think about it. You know, how many games are Portland, New Orleans, Sacramento, and San Antonio going to actually win? I, I'd say it's probably going to be below 500, right? So less than four. So that makes well, it pretty well, if, difficult if it, to climb as opposed to fall. Yeah. yeah, if your projections are correct. Well, they're, they're not playing any bad teams. They're the worst yeah. teams. So do you I, see I in, this, in this scenario, do you see the, the worst teams in this thing going above 500? I don't. And if they well, do, good on them, and they deserve a yeah, chance at yeah, it. Okay, well said. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Yeah. And besides, even if you qualify, you're going to lose in the first round anyway. So it's it, it, we're kind of just sort of playing games here to get ready. I know. You, you keep saying that, but he, during the Warriors run, didn't you just qualify for the playoffs to lose to the Warriors eventually? <laughs> yeah, but you know how it is when that when that uh, eighth seed faces the first seed. If we know that's the way it's going to work, I mean, according to Steve, when we had him on earlier, he was saying they could mix it all up. I, I, I don't know. I haven't seen that report. I've seen guesses about that in, in prior times, but... I don't know how it's all going to be laid out, but and I hope that's, you know, well, it depends because, you know, the Jazz could move. It's not like they're anchored in their spot, and that's just where they are, and that's they're going to be in the fourth spot. Oh, they could they, move a great deal. Yeah, they could move to two. They could move to, to you know, seven. Now, the Jazz are nine and a half games in front of the Grizzlies, who are in eighth. So, I mean... I. I don't even think it's possible for the Jazz to miss the playoffs. No, but that that wouldn't be I, a, a projection you would want to make. I, 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 well, I'm trying to do the math in my head. I don't even think, I don't even think it would be possible. Maybe possible, have but, I but certainly you a never long to shot. Do math on the air. But but here's the thing, you know, which Jazz team comes back? That's really important. Yeah. <laughs> because if it's the Jazz team that lost five in a row. Right after, uh, you know, in uh, what month would that have been, Austin? Uh, January or Fe- Oh, they lost five in a row in February right after winning 19 of 21 in December and January. Yeah. So yeah. which team comes back? Because if it's the team that lost five in a row, I mean, you could you could do your seeding some damage. Although, who cares about the seeding? It's really the matchup. If I were Quinn Snyder, I'd be going through the, the list of teams I could possibly play and picking out the ones that I'd want to play. <laughs> And then, get into that, and then figure out a way to okay. get there. So which teams do you want to avoid? Obviously, you don't want to play the Lakers, and you don't particularly want to play the Clippers, not in the first round. I don't think you want the Rockets in the first round either, even though they're yeah. currently in sixth. Every, anyone else, I, I'd say you're good. Okay. So I'd, well, I'd I, maybe <laughs> win or lose games depending on how to avoid those three teams. But the, but the baseline is what you already said. Which team is going to show up? Yep. I mean, it has really been Jekyll and Hyde, or Heckle and Jekyll, or whatever. You know what the you weird know, part do you, about... Do you, ever, do you even know who Heckle and Jekyll were? Uh, no, I know who Jekyll and Hyde are. Uh, Heckle and Jekyll were a couple of cartoon magpies. Oh, well, that's... They, they caused problems. But okay. uh, uh, Jekyll and Hyde would be from the famous story. I've who never... that? Uh, the Jazz have been hit or miss before, Gordon, Jekyll and Hyde, or Heckle and Jekyll. You're, uh, you're ignoring me? Well, I was right in the middle of a point when you uh, oh, dude, interrupted me to, to talk about a cartoon from the 40s. <laughs> okay, continue. I was just trying not Please. to lose my train of thought. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> have you ever seen, we've seen Jazz teams that have been uh, Jekyll and Hyde before, right? Like the, the Darren Williams, Carlos Boozer Jazz teams were just dreadful on the road randomly. Like just a different team would show up on the road. I don't think that version of the Jazz ever finished above 500 uh, with a road record. But this year's team was really weird because you you couldn't really point to why they'd be so hot and cold. Yeah. With that that version of the team, you'd be like, well, they stink on the road. I mean, mm-hmm. you could at least kind of understand that. This team, they've had huge road wins. They've had streaks that involved road wins. And they've had, at times, remember the beginning of the year, uh, Gordon, when they were just terrible at home? Uh, okay, Jake, so you, you uh, hosted pre-half and post-game shows throughout the season 
What is your best guess? As to why? Yeah. Oh, lineup chemistry. How do you lose that? How do you... I get losing it, but then you gain it, and then you lose it again? Well, and I this this opinion, I don't mean... For, hopefully people understand me when I make this opinion. No team is better without a player like Mike Conley on it. But with that in mind, Mike Conley and his chemistry with the lineups were was very different with him rather than without him, right? When they got used to playing without him, they were really, really, really good. And then Mike Conley came back, and they had to put his skill set and the way he plays back in to fit with the chemistry that had it rolling, that yeah. disruption caused some losses, I think. Now, now weird, again, I want to be clear thing. that the team wasn't better without Mike Conley. It was just different chemistry-wise. Uh, but the results were marked. But you, you know? were hoping. That's why we hoped so much that it would come around. Because yeah. I honestly, I, I'm not going to, I don't think it sounds like a very good argument. Maybe people will want to make it that your basketball team is better without a player like Mike Conley. No, I mean, maybe I, I, he's I not as good that. as he was five years ago, but he's still mm. really good. Yeah. But you've got some overlap when it comes to skill set. You know, your defense is different with him uh, in the lineup because he's not as tall. He can't switch as many positions. You know, just subtle chemistry stuff like that. I think was was the difference, and that's why when Dennis Lindsay came on with us and said, you know, he thought the team was turning a quarter. That's why the timing of this interruption is so disappointing. Because if that were true, we we might have gotten a glimpse at how good this team could possibly be, uh, but we didn't, and so we're still left wondering that. So the question then becomes: By the way, those difficulties you were talking of were happening at both ends of the floor, right? I agree, big time. Which was really strange. But they were. And then when things were going well, they looked really good. Maybe we... So it was it was it, I, I can't remember a team that looked where where that variance was as great as it was this at times this yeah. past season. Yeah, I'm with you. And so we'll see. But, you know, this whole idea of being away from each other for so long, hopefully a guy like Mike Conley, you would expect him. OK, he's. He's he's been on the court. He's experienced that now. He's made adjustments, and now he's had three months to think about it. Well, he's smart enough, I think, to have take what his physical experience has been and utilize his mental capacity in order to process all that. So I I know that sounds weird. He's got a gym in his in the, attached to his house, so he can he can be physically ready. Um, not I get it. The NBA competitive level is a little different, but I think he can. He's kept himself in good shape, and so now has he played those games over in his mind, over and over, so that when he gets back with the team, it can just be natural without him having to think for that nanosecond that makes all the difference in the world. All right, coming up next, we have the Not Sports Report, so make sure and stay tuned for that. David Locke at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We'll get to the Not Sports Report in one second. Not Sports brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online at LHMUsedCars.com. Gordon, I wonder, does this song remind you of the same thing that it reminds me of? 
What does it remind you of? So early in my career with The Zone, uh, when I, I was producing DJ and PK at the time, I, I think, so this would have been like 04, somewhere in there. We did a trip a month as a promotion, and we called it The Zone Flyaway. Yes, And it was I do to a remember. different sporting event or, or uh-huh. concert or something like that. And the promo that we used and the sounder that we used, so the thing we played to qualify, like, call now, 855-340-ZONE, and the promo we used to promote it, used that song. Yes. And I must have heard that song a (laughs) 100,000 times. In, in a year's time. I mean, I was so More tired. More so than Lenny Kravitz I was heard it. so tired of that song. Because we did it. We did it for, what do you think, Gordon? Like probably a solid year. And we're talking like, we're talking like two promos an hour, the sounder an hour, let alone on the other shows. I mean, I was so tired of that song by the end of that promotion that I, I almost vowed never to hear it again. Yeah, it's almost as though it was like your experience working at Sears during Christmas yes. time when you kept hearing Jose Felicia. Yes, very much so. That's why I can't stand Christmas it can, music. It just can downright ruin the song for you. Oh. Hear it over <laughs> and over and over again. You know a song I never got sick of that was played ridiculously often? Call Me Maybe. Yep. I think I've heard you say that before. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know if you heard it enough then, because I think you can get sick of any song. I'm I'm with you though. I get a song in my head and I play it a bunch. You know, you hit repeat mm-hmm. on the old yes. CD player. You when know, you I love get, it, yeah, yeah, and I then got you. you get sick of it. But yep. then, yep, every song you you love it so much, and then eventually you're like, okay, never mind. That one was forced upon you. That one was forced upon me, and I think mm-hmm. about it every single time I hear that song on the radio or something. They're like, oh, I remember the Zone Fly Away. That was a cool promotion. <laughs> It was. Yeah, that was a cool, a cool promotion back in the day. All right, mm-hmm. time for the Not Sports Report. And I mentioned brought to you by LHM Used Car Supermarket, over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. All right, Gordon, where are we going today? We're going overseas, and then we're coming right back here to Utah. Okay. okay. First one going to Belgium. There's an, a 65-year-old man who lives in a at a certain address. He's, he's lived there for a long time. And over the past 10 years, he keeps getting pizzas delivered to his house. And pizzas that he's not ordering. Okay. And he said it's gotten to the point. For how long? 10 years. (laughs) Wow. He said he's got. It was me who poisoned the pizza. He's gotten up to 14 or 19 pizza deliveries in one day. He said he can't even sleep at night now. Every time he hears a scooter outside, he just gets the shakes. Okay, I have a question about this story real quick. Because uh-huh. how many pizza delivery spots are there in this place? Because you, you would think that the, that the companies delivering the pizzas would get wise. You, 14 you in one day? Come on. Yeah. What, what kind of moron is running the, uh, the pizza delivery places? Like, hey, we got another one for Bruce Street. <laughs> I make six today, and he's rejected all of them. So let's keep delivering. Keep it up. He says he, he never accepts them. He never accepts them. He sends them back, and then so it's a waste all the way around because he doesn't have to pay for them. I think this guy's lying. Pizza's for everybody. Think, That's a promise. It, it, uh, it does seem a bit unbelievable, doesn't it? But I thought, what would that be like to have your, someone knocking at your door incessantly? Here, pizza for so-and-so. 
It sounds like somebody may have played a trick on him and uh, has something in for him. I, I don't know. Uh, I would call each of the pizza stores and say, hey, don't deliver me any pizzas. Well, don't you think as soon as he rejected one pizza from a certain pizza company, they would make note of that in some way, shape, or form? You would think so. I mean, now, if, if it happened were, if more were, than once, you certainly would. That would even be bothersome if they were prepaid. Well, you were let's not these get crazy. For, no, I mean, what are you going to do with 14 pizzas? Eat them. Freeze them. Yeah, freeze them. <laughs> Great point. Because okay. some of I us free, don't I, have the luxury to pass up free food. All right. Uh, and here's the second part of the Not Sports Report. The most streamed movies in each state since March. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Are, are we talking, we're talking like mainstream movies, right? Most all it says is most streamed movies during the quarantine period, and this is based on data from the <laughs> from a place called the Public Information and Statistics Society. Okay, which, that sounds real. <laughs> that George Costanza created. Uh, I don't know, but I don't like the way that sounds. If you abbreviate, uh. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> uh, this is. Uh, it's not this, real. This well, it's here. It's on the internet. It must be real. <laughs> no way, this is real. <laughs> you From know what, Southampton you know Institute of Technology, huh? Utah's most streamed movie <laughs> during, during during since March. What would you guess it would be? Oh, I don't know. It's not a movie you would guess for Utah, or maybe it is. Is it of the adult variety? It is. It edges in. It's about the adult film industry. Oh, was it that? uh, No. Come on. Boogie Nights? Boogie Nights. Wow. Number one, according to to the Public Information and Statistics Society. Uh Uh-huh. So uh, let me see. The P.O.S. Uh, There's no way that that is true. No, that is, and, and you, don't, way, you that, don't include that, you don't include the end, yeah, but we do, yeah, so we can say yeah, it. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, there's yeah. there's no way like that. Boogie Nights, which believe it or not is a, a pretty good movie if you if mm-hmm. you get over the subject matter. But that that is way too random of film for that to be correct. That's like well, a random I, movie I, 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 from like O two or whatever. It, no, it was earlier than that. It's like 1997. But, but if you look at what the other ones are in the other states, I mean, I, I, okay, for instance, Washington is uh, the, the interview. Uh, Oregon is the hangover. Uh, California is the Green Lantern. No. Alaska no one liked par- that movie. Yeah, I'm Alaska, not buying any of Hold this. on here. Just say Alaska is Parasite. Uh, Arizona is Goodfellas. We're going to do all 50? No. Uh, let's see. I'll tell you one that is surprising. I, a parasite for Alabama. <laughs> I, I just, that, that's not what I would think. Uh, the hangover is, uh, Missouri and, uh, Mississippi. It's a bunch of them. So the, uh, the, you're telling me that Boogie Nights is the most streamed movie in Utah over what period of time? Since March. Yeah, not a chance. That's just way too random a movie. Well, you would say that no matter what the movie was. But like like The Hangover, like a comedy has a broad appeal, right? 
You know, especially during trying times, people want to, to have a laugh. Like, I could buy The Hangover. Plus, it's a fairly recent movie. Boogie Nights was almost, you could almost call that a cult classic. And it was made in the late 90s. And it's 20-whatever, five years old. It could be worse. Nevada, according to this organization, number one stream movie is Flintstone's Viva Rock Vegas. See, now this is a joke. This is somebody sit, sitting down and going, what is the most random movie that goes against the stereotype of Utah that I could put out there? And then for Nevada, the Flintstones, Viva Rock Vegas. <laughs> Which mean, I've never heard of. First, I've, I've heard of it, but 10 kids maybe watched that movie when it came out. A Let alone life. a bunch of people watching North, it now. North Dakota is a bug's life. It's because they're known for their lightning bugs. Boogie uh, Nights was see. made in 1997. And by the way, it started as an indie film. Yeah, There's no way right. that's true. That's somebody. Kansas, Kansas's Extraction. Texas's Movie 43. Uh, I think Louisiana, the Movie Extraction's based in Kansas. but the uh, Louisiana, Life of Pi. You think they just threw uh, Georgia's Den of Thieves? Uh, Armageddon is North Carolina. You, you think they just made this stuff up? Yes. I think this is all uh, fiction, yeah. All right, well. I certainly do not believe that the most streamed uh, movie in Utah since March is Boogie Nights. No, I don't. Okay, so what, uh, what movie would it be then, Mr. See, I, I'd buy it. It'd have to be uh, uh, newer and a like appeal to a broader audience like well the the new frozen frozen 2 i could see something like that because that was a yes. big deal that they released it early and all those sorts my of things. house is responsible for half of them and it appeals to kids and adults so there's like a really broad audience like i i doubt i doubt uh, that many people watched boogie nights in utah when it came out all i'm telling you is what the public information and statistics society says and this is what they're saying. And that, that organization right there, that is fiction. <laughs> that is not true. David Locke joins us coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.